2: And welcome to the following podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman and every day of England's Tour of India we'll be bringing you a daily podcast showcasing the best of the cricket coverage from across the TalkSport network. On today's show we're bringing you an interview that took place during the lunch break on day three of the second Test match. Andrew McKenna joined in the commentary box by Daily Telegraph cricket writer Nick Holt and co-author. With the Daily Mail's Lawrence Booth who wasn't uh, in the studio uh, of a book on England's unbelievable resurgence under Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes. Basball is the story of how the two took a team with one win in 17 tests and turned them into the most exciting sports team in the world. Well, you could argue that anyway. Uh, if you enjoy cricket content like this, head over to the Talksport Cricket YouTube channel um, to find it in video form. Uh, hit subscribe here, hit subscribe there. But for now, thanks for listening to Following On.
1: It is lunch on day two of the uh, second Test match. England had reached 32 without loss from just six overs of their reply to that 396 all-out by India here on TalkSport 2. 112 overs they uh, batted. And as you heard there, Jaiswal, the top scorer with 209 from 290 balls. Now, during the uh, lunch break, um, we're going to be talking to one of the co-authors of a book that is out that is all about the English cricket test revolution. Uh, It is entitled Bazball. It is probably the most used word in world cricket at the moment and the man that it's actually named after doesn't particularly like it, but such is the way that uh, things are. That is uh, how it is. Delighted to say that uh, Nick Holt has uh, joined us here in the TalkSport2 commentary box to talk about Basball, the inside story of a test cricket revolution. It's yourself and uh, Lawrence Booth who have written it, Nick. So, first of all, thanks very much for, for being here. Um, when did you decide that this book
3: needed to be written? When, when things started to go so wonderfully well? Uh, thanks for having me on. No, no, it was, uh, it was a little bit early in the project. Done, I, um, it was probably at the Trent Bridge Test match against New Zealand when I thought, well, there's something starting here Uh, and a couple of years earlier I'd written a similar book on uh, England's World Cup win in 2019 called Morgan's Men and so I already had that kind of idea in my mind that possibly something could happen under Ben Stokes and Brennan McCullum and then we saw what happened at Trent Bridge when they went out and smashed New Zealand everywhere and um, it just went from there really Um, and it just felt like well even if this doesn't last long something has happened in this England team and that story needs telling
1: I always think that almost the setup and the the context kind of defines situations like this. So, Brendan McCullum is appointed on the 12th of May 2022, aged 40. His only real coaching experience is two seasons in the IPL, and he comes in to the England job with England on the back of one win in 17 test matches. Um as as it says in the book English cricket was, was ripe for, for evolution, revolution, call it what you want. They got to the stage that something had to give, something
3: had to change, didn't it? Yes, yeah, so it all started a little bit earlier than that with the appointment of Rob Key as uh, director of cricket, which also came as a little bit of a surprise. Rob Key was working uh, for Sky, had a very successful career in broadcasting. Um, Andrew Strauss, uh, it was pretty much his last the last thing he did at the ECB was to appoint Rob Key and obviously they were old mates and uh, he said to him, he texted him, said you have the nerve to do this, are you serious about it and Rob Key went away and thought about it and he was and he, he, he always wanted England to be a little bit freer and to play a lot more positively um, uh, most people expected McCullum to be on the shortlist for the white ball job but he was never really interested in that because he saw the white ball team and thought well, there's actually not much of a job to do there, they're already a pretty good team um, but the Test team was uh, a, a real challenge for him. And, of course, he had a great record as a Test cricketer himself. Loved Test cricket. Um, and so once he became available and interested, it wasn't that difficult for Rob Key to make the decision. He, he realised that this was a, a great appointment for them. Um, the most important thing is the chemistry with the captain. And, and obviously, uh, they're, they're, they're two mavericks, Stokes and McCollum. They see the game in the same way. So that chemistry was so important as well. If it was Joe Root had carried on, Do you think we would have got
1: where we are here and now today, what, a couple of years later? I'll be honest, at the time, I kind of wanted Joe Root to carry on in purely cricketing terms because I felt he'd had a pretty short end of the stick with the white ball team getting, getting all the preferential treatment. He wasn't necessarily getting the players he wanted. But obviously there was the elements behind the scenes digging that as well. Would we be here and now today with this great revolution
3: if it hadn't been Stoke's and That's a good question. If it had been Ruta McCullum, perhaps a few years earlier, possibly because Joe is a very positive player himself, always uh, looking to score. Uh, I think I, uh, Joe was tired. He was exhausted by the job, by carrying the team as a player. Um, the COVID uh, tour to Australia drained the life out of him. Really, there wasn't much left to give, and it was time for a new a new direction. And Stokes had been such a loyal number two. Uh, To to It's incredible that he never actually suggested any of this to to Joe. He didn't want to undermine him. He he wanted to stand back and just offer him support and back him 100% in the way that Joe saw the way that the team should be run. And you can see that in this team now because nobody ever deviates from the message this is the message that we, we give you. This is the way we want to play. Anyone who deviates is out. A couple of the backroom team at the start are no longer around because they perhaps said something a little bit negative at the wrong point that McCullum heard he didn't like. He wants everybody singing on the same hymn sheet. So uh, so I don't know. With Joe, I, I, his time was over and, and, it was, and this team needed a change and they needed different ideas and a different direction. And wow, we've had it.
1: The thing that strikes you straight away, though, and you mentioned that everyone on the same page... Everyone seemed to buy into it so quickly. It wasn't as if Brendan had a huge backlog of work that he could say, well, look, I did it here and this happened. You know, we've touched on the fact, two seasons of coaching in the IPL, but he got everyone to buy into it from day one.
3: Well, the first thing he did was his first meeting, uh, He sent just the night before he sent a message to the, to, to the backroom team, to the players, setting out what he wanted and that it was going to be clear messaging, we're not going to have team meetings and no BS. This is, this is the, the, we're going to be honest, and most importantly, this is the time of our lives and we're going to have fun. So this was a team that had just lost to the West Indies, that had been thumped in Australia. It was exactly the kind of message they needed. The first test match, uh, if you remember, at New Zealand, New Zealand at Laws, they didn't have a great day. The first day, uh, Rob Key expected, walked into the team hotel, thought, oh, was it going to be a little bit down? And McCullum was there saying, what a great day. Matthew Potts wasn't he brilliant? You know, uh, he lifted the mood straight away, uh, and that was what they were desperate for. And Joe himself, when we interviewed him, he said, "Look, I do. People say they don't have any regrets. Well, I've got loads of regrets. I didn't have that kind of clarity. I didn't have that strength. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, stamp my authority in the team in the way that Stokes and McCullum have. So he bought into it immediately. And I think once the players see that Joe's buying into it, Jimmy's buying into it, Broad's buying into it, the others very quickly follow suit." And that's the thing is, I suppose, getting the senior players on board
1: because, as you just touched on there, the, the youngsters, you might be coming in and you know, looking around. <laughs> if we take this side, <laughs> Bashir, six first-class games of cricket, Ray and Ahmed, not a great deal more. You kind of follow the crowd a little bit and if you see the senior players on board, well, ah, OK, that, that's the way, you know, it's one in and we're all in and
3: you, you've kind of got half of the battle done. Yeah, and Brendan says straight away and... that look at these guys, the way they play the game. I mean, these are white ball cricketers, who uh, and, and why can't they play like that in test cricket if you give them the backing to do so? Um, so the, the buy-in was easy also for Anderson and Broad. They were lucky they picked them up at the right time, because don't forget, both had just been left out for the West Indies Tour. They were both thinking that, oh, we're we done here. Um, and uh, Stokes came in, and he, he, he they had to follow his way. And... and 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 to be fair, they they suddenly discovered their love of the game and and found it was great fun. Um, It was interesting, really recently, uh, an interview with with Stuart Broad saying that it didn't come naturally to him, all this positivity, and he would have to kick himself and say... In the morning, just go downstairs and, and talk about how wonderful the coffee was, you know, just to get <laughs> just to get that positive vibe going um, because no negativity w- was allowed. But yeah, they, they they picked up the players, those two, at the right time. They were important. They led from the, the from the front, and uh, and it went from there. Uh, it is lunch here on the second day of the uh, second Test match.
1: Just gone up twenty past six in the morning in the UK. England are batting. They've managed to dismiss India for three hundred and ninety six in 112 overs Anderson finished with 3 for 47 Bashir 3 for 138 and Ahmed 3 for 65 Hartley picking up the other wicket 1 for 74 Jaiswal completing his double 100 209 from 290 balls 8th man out, uh, trying to take on Anderson and was caught by Bairstow deep out on the uh, leg side play will be back underway in about uh, 20 minutes or so, I'm Andrew McKenna in conversation with Nick Holt the uh, co-author of the uh, book Basball, the inside story of a test cricket revolution Uh, Nick has written it alongside uh, uh, Lawrence Booth, it's published by uh, Bloomsbury I guess the one word that comes up with, with England at the moment and basball a lot is but because you get a lot of people say okay it's done that but can it work against this team can it work in this location the incredible thing is they just seem to keep ticking them off and those buts seem to get kicked into the long grass pretty quickly.
3: I think one of my favourite chapters that we did was actually the overseas reaction to to, to basball, the anti-bassball yes. uh, and so you know Nathan Lyon, Justin Langer, there's there's many Australians who, would li- who lined up before the Ashes series to, to, to knock it, uh, and it happened here actually, just a few days before the series, and I think people are still making the same mistake, they think Baz is just T20 slogging in test cricket which it's not, it's obviously just about batting positively and always looking to put pressure back on, on the opposition with the bat, so yeah that, 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 I think it's time to stop that now I mean, after last week, surely if it can work there, in those situations 190 runs behind on the turning pitch in India then it can work anywhere
1: that's a great point. Um, do you think we'll see other teams around the world trying to copy it, or as we touched on earlier, is this kind of unique to this group of players with this coaching staff? Can can you just cut and paste from one team to another? Because there's a lot of things that have to go into it.
3: I don't. I, I think teams have to play to the strengths of the players that they've got at the time. And uh, but increasingly, certainly when it comes to batting, that is. White ball cricket that these players are aggressive and they and they can play every shot and they play through 360 degrees and and they they being positive and tacking comes naturally to them. Um, I can't imagine the Aussies taking taking it on board. I think that would stick in the core a little bit too much to uh, to copy the palms.
2: Well,
1: if you remember back in the in, the inception of T20 cricket, uh, I remember one of the first international games. Um, Australia actually took to the field with nicknames on the back of their shirt. So, Ricky Ponting had punter on the back. They were so sure it was going to be hit and giggle and it wasn't going to be around very long that they basically gave it short shrift. So, you're
3: absolutely right. You know, maybe copying England would, would just stick in the throats too much. Well, There's been quite a lot of revision, revision of history over the Ashes series down under in the last few months that... Um that it didn't obviously clearly didn't rain at Old Trafford and uh, prevent the greatest comeback of all time. Um, but I mean that 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 next series is going to be the the sort of the culmination of it all, and that, that will be amazing. That test series in Australia in a couple of winters' time, because that that will be the the biggest test, and obviously Australia still incredibly powerful at home, got a great bowling attack. So we'll see. It's a different group of players that you have to pick
1: for to play this style of cricket. I mean. Ben Duckett, we said when they came out, they had about 35, 40 minutes to bat to lunch, a tricky period. Uh, the old school mentality was, well, you know, you can't necessarily get a lot out of it positively, but you can get yourself out and you can find yourself two down for each other. Ben Duckett's come out 17 from eight and <laughs> playing without a care in the world and 16 of those have come from boundaries. Yes, one off the inside edge down to, to find leg, but they're not afraid to play at whatever point, and that I guess is the strength of this more than anything else, it's, no, whether it's the first ball of the day, the last ball of the day you've got to believe it
3: I mean, How many times have we seen an England team in that situation come out and do exactly what you said, you know and thinking well, we've got half an hour before lunch, must get their heads down and not lose any wickets, but these guys saw it as an opportunity to bat at six and over, and force India to think, and, and you could see a couple of them already their shoulders were starting to sag a little bit as Duckett was creaming uh, four through the covers, but the, 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 the message is so ingrained in these players now. Um, we were talking uh, after the, during the test match in, in Hyderabad about some of the comments after the first couple of days from the players. And you think, my God, they've been glugging the Kool-Aid. like But actually, they believe it. And, and I heard uh, somebody say that, I hope this isn't the message they're giving off in the dressing room. Well, it's exactly the message they're giving off in the dressing room. What they say in public is exactly the same as what they say uh, in private. Now, possibly sometimes you think maybe in public they could tone it down a little bit because fans don't necessarily like to hear, well, the result doesn't matter because they've paid a lot of money to be here and they want to see the team win. But it, it's just about being uh, consistent with the messaging. The selection process that England go with at
1: the moment is just as bold. We touched on you need a certain type of player. But to go and pick 19 and 20-year-olds with barely any first-class um, Action behind them. I mean, you know, the, the story that the Ben Stokes saw, showed Bashir bowling on, on a social media feed sends it to the, the management group, going, "Hey, there might be something here to have a look at." Now, players ha- have been picked young before. Marcus Trescothick was young when when Duncan Fletcher went. There's, there's something in this guy. But with so little behind them, it is kind of again just taking it that that one step further. If they believe in you, and you know, we've seen they back Hartley in in, the, in Hyderabad. Has a, has a difficult first spell in cricket, in test match cricket, but they keep him on, They keep him on and bowl him nine over so he, so he feels part of it. If Ben Stokes asks you to do something, you must feel 10 feet tall
3: because you know full well he believes in you. It's never been a better time to make a debut for England, um, it, full stop that, that, this is the if, if you're going to walk into the test team this is the time to do it you're going to get back to 100% and made to feel involved um, the hierarchy is gone there's no real hierarchy in this team uh, they appointed Ollie Pope as vice captain partly as a bridge between the players to so make sure there wasn't a schism over in age which can happen in dressing rooms um, and I think we, we spoke to Matthew Potts. We spoke to Will Jacks, to Josh Tongue. Uh, we spoken to uh, Harry Brook. You know, I know he didn't score 100 on debut. He did pretty well in his next few Test matches, and and and, and the story was the same about how involved they felt um, with by by Ben and and by um, Brendan McCullum. Jacks was saying that it wasn't very long before he was asking for certain fielders, and, and Stokes was letting them have them, and he took six for in in, in Pakistan. Um, Josh Chung felt invincible on his debut against Ireland he felt six foot tall you know he had a bad day he didn't have a bad day he didn't take any wickets on the first day but Stokes wore him on straight away the following morning and of course he, he then did take wickets so yeah it's, it's something that, 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 um, that's something that is, is a real trademark of, of this of this environment.
1: The book is out in hardback in a few months time we'll be getting the paperback version um, I suspect there may be a couple of extra chapters in the paperback version um, where do you see the baseball story going with this England team and, and with this management group? What, what, what do you think, what's the gut feeling at the moment what those extra chapters will be?
3: Well, we'll see. I mean, I think possibly who knows what's going to happen with this England team. You just, I've, I've given up making predictions after day two of the, uh, of the last test match. Um, hopefully we can, we can tell a great story from this series um, because if they were to win here, it would be an incredible uh, victory, given that uh, india 's dominance at home and, and as you pointed out earlier the the makeup of england 's spin bowling attack oh, the, the story will culminate in Australia in eighteen months' time um, that 's what it feels like it 's building towards um, and well, well that will, what a story that would be to go from the last tour there which constitute ball doesn't count, but unfortunately it does, uh, uh, to 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 actually going over there and, and, and taking Baz ball and taking the attack to Australia and making them perhaps think about how they play Test cricket. I mean, the most important thing is that it's entertaining, isn't it? It's great fun. And if you're an England fan watching Test cricket now, watching this team, you must go home absolutely loving it and not being able to wait for the, the next day to start because you can't take your eyes off them. When Brendan does
1: move on at whatever stage, because it always happens does this style of cricket potentially go with him do you, do you think this is a product of Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes and whoever the coach would be afterwards would they be able to carry on with it do you think
3: well, we call it Bazal, really Ben Ball. I mean, it is Stokes who's driving the majority of this with the total support of McCullum. obviously. Um, I think it's, going to be very, it's obviously going to be very hard to follow Ben Stokes as England captain, <laughs> a bit like following Fergie at United or whatever, you know, those sort of situations. But um, you can see it with Ollie Pope, how they're really bringing him into the management group now and making decisions on the field. I find it very hard to believe that the next England captain is going to say that they need to get their head down and grind out the runs.
1: Well, yes, it was completely... The handbrake would have to go on and they'd have to completely readjust. The just, just on that point about Ollie Pope, it was really interesting, actually. Um, day before the game started, Brendan McCullum and uh, Ben Stokes walk out, go out to the middle to look at the pitch. They get them to uncover it. They spend five minutes or so there. They then walk back in. Ollie Pope walks back out and uh, we were standing waiting to interview Ben and uh, Ben said to Ollie over here, so it gave him the nod, say, right, we're going to go away from these prying ears, and the three of them went over and had a chat, they have still not decided on selection, they then walk over and have a look at the pitch with Ollie Pope, again, just backing up that Ollie Pope is, is, is a big part of the thinking process of this England side.
3: Yeah, and there are others too, I mean, Harry Brook, I think they really see some leadership potential in him, he might just, well, me anyway, a lot, a lot of young Ben Stokes in the way that he talks, but he's, he's got a a sharp cricket brain and he seems like kind of streetwise sort of character the other one that ben really likes not even in the team and that's dan lawrence he thinks he has a real great tactical brain and 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 sort of leadership potential so they are they are looking around um and that's not something the english creek has necessarily been very good at is succession planning um and we see in the white ball team now that they're struggling and you look around and think who could take over from joss butler and you shake your head and don't really know. Um, and I think that the, perhaps one of Ben's legacies will be that he, he has brought through the next captain, maybe the next two captains
2: on his watch. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
0: Here's a thought.
1: Brendan didn't want the white ball job because there wasn't a job to do. How close is he to finishing the red ball job that maybe, they say to him, do you fancy a crack at the white ball? I mean, is, is it transferable? I mean, I mean, I don't know here because for whatever reason with Matthew Mott, it doesn't seem to be happening at the moment for the England team and there are various suggestions that he may not be that long for the job. We'll find out how that goes. But if you've got one of the best coaches in the world in-house that the players love, would it not make sense for him to, to take a sideways step?
3: Well, I'd argue that he's already done it because he, he was such a huge influence over Owen in Morgan. Yeah. You know, McCullum has already... Uh, already had a, had a say in how England play white ball cricket a few years ago in 2015 when Owen took over, I think you're probably looking more towards Owen Morgan than you are towards Brendan McCullum. I would think for that job I don't think Brendan would want that full time role and England have done a good thing by splitting the roles because it keeps the coach fresh, they're lucky they can afford it I mean not many countries can can afford a, a coach of Brendan's calibre and the salary that he's being paid for work only six months of the year um, so I, I, I can't see I can't see Brendan uniting those roles or, or Rob Key really even going back. Could he down maybe
1: there. though leave the red Bull role and go white? Um, I,
3: I, I, well, I don't think so. I think he's all in with the Test team and then see. I think don't think he would want to walk away from Ben at this stage or even in the next year or so without seeing this project through.
1: He's made a heck of a reputation for himself. I mean, he may not like the phrase basball, as you say, because he wants to sort of deflect it onto the players. Just, just to go back again, give people an idea of how he works. Um, at the end of the test in Hyderabad, I sort of asked the question, will, will Brendan do anything? And, and Danny Ruben, the press officer, said, only if England lose. And it's like, when, when we win, it's all the players and our and wonderful... If we lose, then I'm, I'm prepared to come out. So again, it's that sort of That unwilling uh, and wanting to be the star and wanting to to have
3: the the sort of his name attached to it. It's commonly Australian cricket as well, the coach wants always to be the players, to be the the, the focus. Um, And we've kind of got used to that now. It was a little bit difficult at first because we're used to the England coach talking regardless of results. Um, but Brendan was very insistent that he was only going to do it when they lost, and they, which means he had to actually do, do that many press conferences. <laughs> so yes. we don't speak to him that often, unfortunately.
1: No, indeed. Right, um, we've got a few minutes till uh, the play resumes. England 32 without loss, trying to chase down 396. There are 63 overs left in today. Where are England at close of play this evening? A good I mean, question, it could yeah. be
3: anything. It could be anything, yeah. I'm not going down that road again. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, I mean, it's a good pitch, isn't it? And there's plenty of runs, short short boundaries, quick outfields. We were having a little laugh upstairs in the press box. We hadn't mentioned Gilbert Jessup for some time, so... Who knows? <laughs> You never know. Indeed, uh, it is Basball: The Inside Story
1: of a Test Cricket Revolution. Nick Holton, Lawrence Booth have uh, done the honours on that one. It is uh, published by Bloomsbury. You can get it in hardback at the moment. Nick, thank you so much for your time. Really thank do you. appreciate that.